Honoring God and worship. Let's talk about it on today's edition of Renew Network Podcast. Good morning. We're moving on today in 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Today we're going to be focusing on verses 2 through 16. Um, This passage presents an interpretive challenge. And uh, again, much like yesterday's passage, a theologian could spend his or her career unpacking the content of verses 2 through 16. Um, I don't want to get caught up in the minutiae of um, all that Paul is saying in the sense of um, what, are, what are its implications culturally for men and women, um, because I think he's making a couple of clear points that I think stand out above everything else that might be interpreted or read into what he's saying. Um, First, I see Paul talking about men and women who participate in corporate worship uh, within the church of God. And um, he suggests that it's important for those men and women to um, present themselves before God and others in an honorable way a way that honors their calling, a way that honors being in God's presence, a way that honors the authority they possess as um, those who pray and prophesy within the body of believers. We will focus special attention on two verses in particular, uh, 1 Corinthians 11.3 and then also 1 Corinthians 11.10. Uh, because I think those are two of the critical verses within this passage. Um, And um, the goal will be not to get tripped up uh, in the weeds of all of the potential interpretive um, trajectories we could go on, but to focus on Paul's clear intent and purpose in providing this scripture to us. Um, Let me say at the outset that Uh, Men and women uh, serving within the life of the church in different ministry capacities um, should be uh, celebrated for their unique gifts and graces, for the unique way in which they express and articulate the love of Christ. And depending on one's theological and doctrinal background, um, men and women may serve very different purposes in ministry within the life of the church. Some denominations welcome women as uh, pastors of churches. Some denominations uh, limit women from having um, access to um, the ministry of uh, pastoral leadership and invite them uh, into the ministry of evangelism, Christian education, uh, Bible teaching uh, for the purpose of Um, small groups, uh, and other different ministries. So it may very well depend on the denominational background that you are from uh, to help you understand the different uh, areas in ministry that uh, you as a man or a woman uh, may be invited to participate. At the end of the day, God is the giver of gifts Uh, There are many gifts, but the same Spirit, Paul says later, 
in uh, the next chapter, actually, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And so we want to honor and celebrate the gifts of God within each person uh, as they uh, strive to live faithfully in Christ and to be a, a witness uh, for Jesus in the world. Um, some are called to certain positions within the ministry of the church. Others are called to minister in the world. And um, those are both unique and wonderful callings that we should uh, celebrate. We should seek to equip our ministry leaders, uh, both in the church and outside the church, uh, for their calling. And uh, each of us has a unique calling in Christ, and we're not all the same. Um, Some people really are gifted to teach and preach and elaborate on the Word of God, while others have the gift of evangelism, or others have the gift of uh, leading children, or others have the gift of service. And so we're not all the same. And so we want to celebrate those differences. And uh, this passage uh, is uh, ripe for um, setting the stage for that. All right, before we get into the Word, let's go to the Father. Heavenly Father, we love you today. We thank you for your Word. And we ask that you would bless our time in it today. Uh, help us to tune into your spirit present within us and all around us as we're uh, in your word today. Give us ears to hear and eyes to see uh, that we might really hear from heaven today and be able to apply these lessons that we're learning uh, to our journey of faith and to our walk of discipleship. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, this is 1 Corinthians eleven two through 16. I praise you for remembering me in everything and for holding to the traditions just as I pass them on to you. But I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man who prays or prophesies with his head covered dishonors his head. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head covered dishonors uncovered dishonors her head. It is the same as having her head shaved. For if a woman does not cover her head, she might as well have her hair cut off. But if it is a disgrace for a woman to have her hair cut off or her head shaved, then she should cover her head. A man ought not to cover his head since he is the image and glory of God. But woman is the glory of man. For man did not come from woman, but woman from man. Neither was man created for woman, but woman for man. It is for this reason that a woman ought to have authority over her own head because of the angels. Nevertheless, in the Lord, woman is not independent of man, nor is man independent of woman. For as woman came from man, so also man is born of woman. But everything comes from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it proper for a woman to pray to God with her head uncovered? Does the not the very nature of things teach you that if a man has long hair, it is a disgrace to him, but that if a woman has long hair, it is her glory, for long hair is given to her as covering. If anyone wants to be contentious about this, we have no other practice, nor do the churches of God. Now, you can see where in the current cultural context, this passage could be easily misinterpreted, and I could understand where on a... Uh, a first glance reading of this passage, women would feel um, a little put off by some of the things that Paul is suggesting. 
That's why we're going to focus our attention on a couple of things specifically. First, in uh, chapter 11, verse 3, Paul says, I want you to realize that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. And so there's an issue of headship um, uh, at play here in, in each of these um, in each of these statements. Headship meaning source or authority, and um, the, the there's a leadership that's also dispensed with headship. Um, Christ is the head of every man, every woman, every person. Christ is the head. He is our he is our leader. He is our source. He is our authority. And in the context of the created order, um, if we look back in Genesis chapter one, God created Adam. And then out of Adam, God created Eve. And so Paul is connecting these statements to the, the created order of things. Jesus was present at creation, and John chapter 1 reveals that Jesus was uh, the Logos, the living word through which God created everything that exists, and that includes man and woman. And so Jesus was involved uh, intimately in the creation, um, and so... Christ is the head of man, and that Christ is our creator. Um, and then, uh, in the order of things, God put Adam to sleep, and out of Adam, he created woman. And so, there's a headship issue there. Now, the way that that's expressed is very important. Jesus is our great high priest, and he leads with love and tenderness. And every uh, man and every family and every home should lead with the love and tenderness of Christ. And that doesn't mean that he leads with an iron fist. That doesn't mean he has ultimate exacting authority and everyone must bow to his whim and will. Uh, that's not at all what's at play here. This is a calling to spiritual leadership within um, his role, whether he's leading uh, in the church or whether he's leading in a family. Um, any man who has authority over women must dispense that authority uh, with love and tenderness in the same way that Christ dispensed that authority. Um, and Christ uh, and his use of authority um, elevated people and celebrated their gifts and sought for their very best. And men and their leadership ought to do the same. And then the third part of this is the head of Christ is God. We know because of the incarnation, Jesus came from God. He was born of God. And um, so we know that um, uh, in the order of things, in the Godhead, it's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Jesus came from God in the incarnation. And so there's a headship issue at play there as well. Uh, in Jesus' earthly ministry, uh, he only spoke what the Father instructed him to speak. He only did what the Father instructed him to do. He only went where the Father instructed him to go. And so Jesus was obedient to the Father as his head. <clears throat> and so there's a issue of leadership at stake here in this, in this issue of headship. Um, down near the end of the passage, uh, in verses uh, 11 and 12, we see this issue of interdependency that men and women are interdependent on each other. We're not entirely independent of each other in the sense that um, we have a healthy balance of interdependency. Um, we need each other. 
We're called to engage with each other. We're called to support and encourage each other. We're called to learn and grow in relationship with each other. And so uh, Paul is outlining a healthy interdependency here. Um, and their role as those who lead in worship in this particular worship setting, men were instructed to pray and prophesy with their heads uncovered. Um and as a symbol of their leadership, as a symbol of uh, them being uh, the image and glory of God, Paul says in verse 7. Um, but again, in the created order of things, uh, since the, uh, the woman is the glory of man, in other words, she uh, was created out of man, Paul calls for them to uh, pray and prophesy with their heads covered. Now, this is a, a cultural uh, teaching that had application for that particular worship setting and that particular cultural setting. And this was a way that men and women were called to honor God and honor those that they had leadership over. Um, and so it was simply an expectation for them uh, as leaders in the churches of God that when they were praying and prophesying, this was how it was to be. Um, in verse 10, Paul says, It's for this reason that a woman ought to have authority over her own head because of the angels. And in the span of biblical prophecy, angels were often the ones bringing the message from God to the prophet that God wished for the prophet to speak forth to the people. And so um, a woman had authority over the type of covering that she could wear over her head, um, and it would be a sign of reverence uh, to the angels as they brought the message from God to the woman prophet. And um, so uh, she had that symbol of authority. So the, the head covering for the woman who prayed and prophesied would be a symbol of her authority within the worship setting, a symbol of her authority within the church of God. Uh, others would see her wearing that covering and know that she had this sacred calling and know that she had this this calling to this sacred ministry of praying, leading in worship, and then prophesying before the people of God. Um, it was a powerful thing, and this was a high calling. And so it was a symbol of her calling and her authority as one who was called to lead within the church. So uh, challenging... <laughs> Not entirely uh, straightforward, sometimes cryptic sounding passage here from Paul as we unpack verses 2 through 16, uh, but there's definitely an order to things. You can definitely see that Paul uh, had his reasons for making these points, and uh, in this particular worship setting, uh, these things made sense, and this was the expectation. Um, the carryover for us is that when we're in Christian leadership positions, that we should be mindful of how our appearance uh, honors God and others, and that we should do nothing to distract from the message of Christ being preached. Uh, if something in our appearance becomes a distraction for those that we're in ministry to, um, then we ought to step back and take a hard look at our decision uh, to present ourselves in a certain way. Um, at no point should our presentation of ourselves 
uh, in the worship setting be something that would distract people from the message of Christ. All right, my friends, thanks for hanging in there with me on this one, a challenging passage to teach and understand. And I thank you for taking time out of your day to study with us. God bless you as you continue to consider these words.